Quinter, and other locations in western Kansas. The Equity Bank, member FDIC. Rise and shine. It's butt whipping time. It's time for the Morning Blitz with Ross Volkmer. That broadcast school has really paid off. And Christian Peck Dimmitt. Do you want to keep this job? Shut up, listen, learn. The region's only local sports talk show. Discussing it all from the preps to the pros. What time is it? Dance time. Simulcasting on AM 730 Fox Sports Tri-State. Streaming online at nwksradio.net and the Rocking M app. They are everywhere. The Blitz is presented by the Insurance Agency, the Farmer State Bank in Oakley, the Cowboy Corner Express, and Equity Bank of Hoxie, Quinter, and Grinnell. Stop what you're doing and listen. Payday with it, left side to Kaluma. Arthur inside, great pass again for the throwdown for Gasson. David's got five, second time that he's been assisted by Kaluma to make it 20 to 16. They stayed with the ball. Gasson to Perry, there's the lead for Kaluma. Arthur off the window, good! He got it, Arthur Kaluma with four. Arthur, pull up little 13-footer, rattles around an out ball, tipped out to Tyler Perry for three. Good! K-State needs that when Perry with six. Shot clock at 13. We go under 11 minutes to play. Tyler Perry, right side three. Got it. Tyler Perry scores. He's got nine with three threes. Hey, happy Tuesday morning, everybody. You're listening to the Morning Blitz on 1025 UROC, AM 730 Fox Sports Tri-State. So glad you could join us here on this Tuesday. It's February the 20th. It's a 32-degree start, but it's going to be a summer-like finish to today's day. Temperature is going to get close to being almost in the 70s uh, here on this Tuesday. Christian is not dressed for the golf course. He's dressed quite professionally, actually, <laughs> today, so we know he won't be out on the links working on well, that have you 60. My golf course fits are maybe not uh, the most traditional. We, we are wearing short shorts out there. We get... We get all of the benefits with the weather. It is going to be nice this shorts? weekend, though. Do you call them shorts or do you call them short pants? Who has ever <laughs> called them short pants? Uh, old. Text in right now if you call them short pants. What I is going? Is that a thing? I don't. There's people that call them short pants. Yes. So I'm not going to lie to you. I have never even considered that. I did not know that was a thing. 785-899-2222. If you call them short pants, we need to have a talk. I think there are people that do call it short pants. I mean, I don't. I call <laughs> sure it short, are, but, but there I are people no who call idea. it short pants. There are people that do that. So I uh, hope everyone's having a great start to your Tuesday. Uh, we got a full show ahead today. Jay Bradley is going to join us in studio. We'll be talking to him about Northwest Tech men's basketball, the great run that they're on. They've won four of their last five, including most recently a win over Dodge City. They've got a very tough game coming up Wednesday at home against Hutchinson. So they've got a – and still plenty more games to go in the regular season. But uh, once again, kind of the big storyline to follow is if Northwest Tech can hold on to this spot that they have in the Jayhawk Conference standings or improve, uh, but at minimum hold on. They're going to be in a spot where they've never been. That would be hosting a postseason first-round game, uh, which would be pretty darn cool to see. So uh, that is what is on tap today. We'll visit with him. We've got plenty of high school basketball to get into today. Uh, The Chiefs have an interest. There's an interesting storyline floating around what the Chiefs should do at the wide receiver position. Uh, We'll get to that coming up in today's program as well. And also, uh, there's a new commissioner in the (laughs) Pac-12 
and I don't know why there is. Uh, we'll get to that coming up in today's program, too. So, uh, But I want to start off last night, K-State basketball, losers on the road at Texas. They lose 62-52. That's the final score down there from the Moody Center. Uh, and K-State kept it close throughout the entire game. Uh, but when it came right down to it, they... I don't even know how to put this. They kept it close all game, but they were never able to. They never led. They were, they were tied at four. Yeah. That was it. They never led in this game. They kept it close. I don't know. This it was, To me, it was kind of what I expected from this Kansas State basketball team. I'll just put it that way. Kind of what I expected to see. What do you mean? I think we're so far into the season, you know, 25, 26 games into the season now, which means we've only got about five to six games left depending on who you are in your schedule and where you are in the regular season that is so we know what this and i was writing down some things and i was also seeing some people talk about this on twitter so i don't take full credit for this but i i agree with what some of these people were saying on social media people who cover the team more closely than than i do or we do people that are at every game and stuff and here, here's just the things the fact of the matter is k-state is not a highly skilled offensive team. They're just not. They have guys that can go off. Cam Carter. We know Tyler Perry can go off for 30 burger if he want, on a night if he wants to. Arthur Kaluma is a pretty darn good player too. But they're not a highly skilled offensive team. There's no night where you know you're going to get 25 points or 20 points out of so-and-so. Which in comparison to last year is completely different if we think about it, right? Because Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel were going to go out there and more than likely get you some pretty darn big point numbers. But they just are not, they, they don't, they have really good, but I don't think they have great offensive players. We talked about him, Tyler Perry, Arthur Kaluma, good, but very inconsistent. Tyler Perry's probably playing out of position. You know, they want him to play point guard and that's fine because that's where Marquise Noel played, but... I don't know. Tyler Perry is still learning that position and the feel for it. Um, and he's probably he's more of a two guard that I think they're trying to turn into a point guard as well. They're trying to get a point guard that is a scoring point guard, which is a two guard that handles the ball. And Tyler Perry is a guy who I think would be better probably off the ball, setting up for threes, not having to create his own shot. I feel like he might be better in that spot here 25 games in. He's not. They're trying to make him the next Marquise Noel, and that's fine. I think he might be has the pieces, maybe has the pieces to do that, and maybe that's something he needs to develop for next year because I think he's only a junior. I think he can be back next year for Kansas State. Um, you know, and let's face it, last year they had an absolute, uh, they had an absolute dude out of the portal last year in Keontae Johnson. I don't think they knew how great he was going to be. I I think they thought let's bring him in. We know he's a really good player, but we have. It, everyone who's tried to bring him in, there were plenty of other schools that tried to get him in, I think would have gone there, but they didn't clear him physically with his heart issue that he's been having. And so that was a that's a humongous deal that people got to realize. That was a kind of a one-of-one one type of situation for Kansas State, getting him to come in the play that he did. They just don't have that this year. Their bigs are not very good offensively. They're just, they're not very good. They, they, especially offensively, yeah, like I said, offensively, they're just not good. Defensively, they're fine. Um, but offensively, they just don't, they're not good offensively. And their best offensive big, Naquan Tomlin, 
know, he had to leave the program. He went to Memphis. The reason why Kansas State keeps people full of hope this year is that they are an elite defensive team. I think they're top 25 in Ken Palm in total defense. They're a really good defensive team. Think about it. They couldn't buy a basket at times in that Texas game, but they never got down by more than 12. They just kept the Longhorns within arm's range, and then there'd be a time where they'd hit a three. There'd be a time where they'd make a play. Tyler Perry'd make a circus shot. But it's not enough. They need more offensive skill, and they just don't have it this year. It may come with development. You know, Day-Day Ames and some younger players that are learning their ways this year and taking their lumps as freshmen. Hey, you know what? They may figure it out in the next com- in the next couple of years, and they may hit the transfer portal and find some other pieces. This is just the year where they are an elite defensive team because Jerome Tang bases his team off of defense. That's his, I think, core philosophy is we're going to play great defense. And they do do that. But good defense, great offense beat great, will beat great defense pretty much every single night. So they, they've got to get better on the offensive end. I just don't think they're going to get that done here this year in the next five games. That's what I'm trying to say. No, I'm totally with you there. And I said it early and often this season in that I like the way that this team plays that way being starting on the defensive side of the ball for the large part being a pretty good rebounding team. And uh, you lost the rebound battle to Texas by three, which to be honest, I think is not a bad number going against the Longhorns. Uh, My one thing is, actually I have a couple of things on this team, but the thing that jumped out at me last night was how many turnovers do you think that they had? Because watching the game last night if you, I watched the last three quarters, so to speak, of this game. I missed the first eight minutes or so of it. And if you would have told me that this team turned the basketball over 17, 18, 19 times, I would have 100% believed you. They only turned it over 13 times. Granted, 10 of those were the combo of T. Perry and Cam Carter. Uh, Cam Carter, by the way, was about as useful as a cheerleader on an oil rig. But this was a a team that could not be less cohesive offense. They could be less cohesive offensively. I won't say it like that. They seem to make in the broadcast, maybe it was because the broadcast pointed it out so much, but they were right. There were so many home run passes that just didn't need to be made. So much disconnectivity offensively where it looked like you have enough pieces that like Ross said, aren't elite offensively, but they can all have their nights. And it seems like it's very rare when they all have their have a night on the same night. And the fact that we're looking, frankly, at Tyler Perry at 5-13 and 13 and 6 turns and say that's not a bad night for him says something. But yeah, you're absolutely right. He was a bucket getter at North Texas, and uh, he was a bucket getting off guard when they're trying to make him this true point guard and he was a, at best, he was a combo guard at North Texas. They need a point guard on this roster. And so he has to fill that role. And we've talked all year about, he's just got to sink into it a little bit better. He's got to take a little bit, a little bit better care of the basketball. And it just slowly hasn't happened. And you're right. He does have another year. And I think he might have two of eligibility left. This kid, has a future 
on this team. He has a future in basketball, period. He's a bucket getter at the two guard, and maybe with another offseason, they can make him into a true point. But yeah, I'm with you here. I would love to see this team get hot down the stretch, and we know that because of their schedule remaining, that being two top 10 teams in their last four games, Kansas in Kansas, and then they're hosting Iowa State, who's number six right now, by the way. Uh, and because they have the Big 12 tournament coming up, anything can happen. They can get hot. They're still very much uh, a team that has a shot at making the tournament. But I'm with Ross. I just don't think they have the offensive pieces to put together a tournament-type team this year. Though if you're a Cat fan, uh, I think you have to be relatively uh, optimistic about the future. The schedule is one thing that does kind of go in their favor. You get past BYU on Saturday, which is a home game, mind you. So that's beneficial. And Jerome Tang was talking in the post game about how much he needs the fans there. He was talking like, you know, I love our 9,000 fans, but we need to have all 10,000 fans there. And I'm like... He's really neat. Like, they want a packed house for BYU. And and I understand it. You know, that's probably a 10-point swing in favor there of if BYU is, is play, or sorry, for Kansas State when BYU comes. But BYU is going to be there. That's a chance for you to pick up a top 25 win. And I don't feel like it is an impossible one, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like you could win that game. Then you've got, since then, you've got West Virginia and Cincinnati. At home versus West Virginia, at Cincinnati, which are winnable games to pick. So you could get three wins in a row. Then you got to go to Kansas. I'm just going to mark that as a loss. You don't play well at the Fog. No one does. And this team, especially offensively, being as shorthand as it is, is not going to do that. And then you're at home versus Iowa State, which maybe maybe you can piece something together there in front of your home crowd against Iowa State. So maybe you can go 4-1 and one down the stretch. Maybe you can go 3-2. and two. Maybe you don't. Maybe you go two and three or less than that. Maybe it's worse. Um, but yeah, I just this. We know what this basketball team is. We know what a lot of basketball teams are. We've seen it long enough. We're twenty five games into the season. This is just who they are, and we have to accept that fact. They're not a great offensive team. I think they're one hundred eighty second in Ken Palm's adjusted offensive rankings. One hundred eighty second, but they are an elite. Uh, very good offense or defensive team, excuse me, uh, where they are 16th in adjusted defense. And that's the reason why you're a top 20 defensive team, but 182nd offensively. It's just not, it's just not good enough. Just not good enough. Uh, listener Andy texts in K State's been hard to watch. 314th in three efficiency, worst in the conference in turnovers per game. Tank said in the postgame that he sees it getting better. I don't see it. Woof. <laughs> He's got some positivity. We'll oh, give him totally that. Oh, he totally does. I tell you, this was. I tell you, can I play a little audio? This is thirty seconds from Jerome Absolutely. from Jerome Tang uh, last night, talking about how offensively they just they need to make more shots. That would help them Laser. a lot. Let's see here. Let me get to this here. Here we go. Uh, Jerome Tang need to make more shots. We got we got to make a few more shots. Uh, the, the, it's the lulls in mm-hmm. whether it was the first half. This time it was the second half, where we probably went about six minutes or so. About across two medias that we didn't get good looks. They just blew up everything we was trying to do. We need to play with more force and um, impose our will on them, and they did it to us. And but you know, once again, you know the way the guys responded at the end, man. We're 
Well, we're pretty good at the end of the game, executing, coming back. We just have to get ourselves out of a situation where we have to come back. That's a tough loss. I mean, it's on the road. I get it in a Big 12 scenario, but it's also against an unranked foe, and those are kind of the games that you need. Um, and once again, you three losses of three in a row, and what is it, seven of your last eight now for Kansas State? And think about it. The think team, that's right. And the team they beat was Kansas on their home floor, our top five-ranked Kansas team. Crazy, right? So, I mean, it, that's a nice feather in your cap. And honestly, if they didn't have that, it wouldn't matter. I mean, it'd be over now. Um, <laughs> it'd be completely over minus a tournament run. But yeah, it's they've got to get better offensively if they're going to do this. They've got to get better. Um, yeah, they got they they're a great defensive team, but they just don't have the offense that's going to keep them around in this. So anyway, there you go. Some thoughts on Kansas State last night. Any more thoughts on the Wildcats at all? I will say just because we've been so negative, I got to point out there were multiple points late in this game where I thought, oh, I can get up and go do something in the other room. I can go turn the game off or whatever it might be uh credit to the cats for sticking around and making this way closer than even six points was indicative of they had it at a point where it was a four point game and kaluma sprinted down the court and hucked it from 30 feet idiotic shot choice of course but i mean they had it very close with i think that was about 90 seconds left in a game they had no business in with how they played offensively but who knows? I mean, yeah, it you got to give them something for the fight that they had. And uh, it's time now for some high school hoops. Uh, you're on the road, of course, and you've been on the road for a long time. But uh, this will be the last road game uh, here of the regular season and last game of the regular season for Goodland coming up. And then obviously, obviously you're hosting uh, that first round substate game. Yeah, final games of the regular season tonight on the road at Scott City. Um, it's another one of those scenarios where I think both games, it's like it's been the last couple. Goodland probably goes in as the favorite on paper. But if you don't play to your potential, Scott City is definitely good enough to beat you. And that's the way it's been the last couple of games. So, once again, I know, well, at least Bill Behrman, when he told me a couple weeks ago, he's like, you know, I don't mind that. You know, I like the fact that we got to play well in order to win. Not that we have to play great in order to win, but we need to play well in order to win. And I think you can apply that to both teams. I, here's, the, here's the biggest thing. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. Here's the biggest thing. Goodland's played so well down the stretch, both boys and girls. And you want to try and keep that momentum and keep building that momentum for the postseason, especially for... Uh, Next Thursday, next Friday, next Saturday, because I think you can get past the first round being the number one seed, taking on the eight seed. I feel pretty confident you can pull that off. So you want to make sure that you are playing your best Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so you have a chance to put yourself in the state tournament. And I think that they will, they, they can continue to do that tonight. But here's the thing. I, I always focus on the opponent a little bit more, especially on our shows, because what are we thinking about when it comes to the opponent? Scott City, especially on the boys' side, and the girls a little bit, but especially on the boys' side, that is a team you do not want to face. Like, if I am in the 4A playoffs, like, I think they're, I think, like, on the boys' side, you know, they're going to place, like, the four-seed Abilene or something like that in the first round. If I'm Abilene, I'm like, I don't want to face this team. This team has got upset potential written all over it. They can't, they've proven that they can shoot the three. They shot lights out against Goodland on Goodland's floor back in December. They knocked in 12 threes, which was a season high. They shot the lights out of the three. They've got one of the better bigs 
in the league in Jackson Rumford, who is highly skilled. And they've got other nice little pieces around. And they play pretty darn good defense. There's a lot of games this year that the Scott City boys were leading in and lost in the end. Like they were there and they couldn't win it. There's a ton of losses this year for the Scott City boys that they probably should have won but did not get it done. They just didn't finish it. That's the heartbreaking thing, which means that they were in all these games against these good opponents. They just didn't find a way to get the W. So they, they got to find a way to do that. They got to find a way to do If you're Scott City going forward is what I'm saying. They've got to find a way to do that going forward, especially in the postseason. And I think they probably can, which is why if I'm another 4A team, I'm a little like, I don't want to face that team in the first round. I don't want to face them. Uh, yeah, so that's my thought of the boys. On the girls' side, they have three scores that average around 9 to 10 points per game. Pretty balanced scoring. You know, uh, Megan Trout's done a good job for them this year, filling in as being their leading scorer. And Erica Felker's a, a young lady who started over 80 career games. The Cowgirls' pre- defense has given wreaked havoc on everybody. I expect that to probably happen again um, in some form or fashion. But here's the thing about the Scott City girls. They have, you know, for many years, they've kind of, last four years, ever since their state title run, they've kind of been below 500 is where they've been. This year, they're above 500. They got to 10-9 and nine as where they sit right now. And But the thing is, when you look at the wins they have, I think they have one win against a winning team, a team with a winning record in the state of Kansas. One win against a team with a winning record in the state of Kansas. So, like, they've beaten a lot of teams that are worse record than them. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. You weren't in the games you're supposed to, but they haven't won the games that they're kind of maybe like, hey, you know what, we're here, we're evenly matched. I think we can win this game. They haven't gotten that done. That's the next step for that program. they got to start beating teams that they are on the same level with or maybe even just a little bit worse with, but they aren't getting that done. So we'll see. That's uh, that's, that's to me are the two big storylines tonight. And like I said, Goodland on paper, probably better. But if you don't go down there and play good, they have the potential and the pieces to knock you off. Well, what about Colby real quickly? Jay Bradley going to join us. He's in studio here in just a little bit. What's what's up for Colby tonight? Peberg. So, hosting Peberg. Hosting Peberg, last home game of the year of the regular season. And both teams, basically, we talked last week about um, the boys have a shot at hosting a first-round sub-state game, but they need a little bit of help. They got that help. Holcomb lost, and now both teams, the boys and the girls, are in a position where if they hold serve uh, this afternoon or this evening, they will host that first-round game. Girls, they won't tie Holcomb? They will, but right now they have the tiebreaker. and they are But they've split the two games. They split the two games. I know. No, it'll come, it will come down to a coin toss. Will it really? It'll come down to Is a coin toss. Well, a because you split toss. the season series one and one. Yeah. And they so, don't go to other things. Nope, and now it's a coin toss. So that's what will decide who gets to host is a coin toss if they that's finish so with the same record. That's ridiculous. <laughs> they can't think Guess of what? anything better Guess what? than they that. They do it at state, too. They do it at state tournament. Like, if two teams come in with the same record at state tournament, they flip a coin. That's how, and you know, you get a call. Team, I think it's like team, Marty Lehman could chime in. I think it's the furthest team away or furthest team that has to travel gets to call the coin toss or something. <laughs> and that's who. So, you know, Colby will get a to call. To be honest. Travis Betts, call Tails. <laughs> I do call tails. Call every tails. Coin flip. Rule of thumb. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, I assumed that because Keisha had them listed ahead of them in the standings despite the same record. Alphabetical that's order. That's why that was. That's wild. That's wild. Okay. 
So maybe no home games. Here's the thing. For Colby. Here's the thing. You got to win. That's just the yeah. pressure. You got to win tonight because you want at you gotta least hold you got you got at least send it to a coin toss. You got to at true. least do that. What a crazy. So rule. you got to win. How is this the first time hearing of this? That's crazy. Regardless, uh, the on the boys' side, we'll start there. Uh, both of these teams, uh, for boys and girls, though, in similar positions here, uh, where they had a little bit of a midseason struggle. On the boys' side in particular, they lost five of six games. Uh, granted, four of those five losses were against top five teams. They now have a shot to bring into the postseason and into the sub-state four straight wins. If, of course, they win tonight, Dodge City went down, Scott City went down, Cimarron went down. They're on a three-game win streak, are both the boys and the girls. And let's take a little bit of a rewind back to a couple of weeks ago when we were looking at the boys and what is causing them all of these issues uh, in this loss of five of six. And it was the Eagles need scoring around Guy Tubbs and Jordan Jones. They need someone to step up that's not named Guy or Jordan, and largely that has been the case. For the first time all season, the Eagles have had three uh, three or more scores in double figures in three straight ball games. That's huge. Also in back-to-back ball games, they've had four or more Eagles with nine or more points. Throwing a lot of stats at you, uh, but essentially what that means is the Eagles are getting other players, particularly Braden Foss, to step up in the scoring department offensively because that's what they've needed all year long. They're facing a Peberg team that doesn't have a ton of size in terms of they're not Scott City with two twin towers. They don't have 6'5 or 6'6, but what size they do have, they have a fair amount of it. It's either three or four kids. I think it's four kids they have at 6'2 or 6'3. So no one hulkingly huge, but a lot of different guys. And that's also indicative of their offense. They have no one who scores over 12 a game, but three that score at least nine. So a little bit of a balanced scoring attack for them. And so it'll be interesting to see how Colby deals with that, because as always, they have Guy Tubbs to deal with the true big guy. But then the trouble for Colby has been facing teams with a large number of opponents that have size. And so then it falls on Case and Carroll and on Grant Stevens, who are fine defenders in their own right, but to then guard the really big kids. On the girls' side, we were looking at something similar uh, with the Lady Eagles in terms of can they pair a scoring punch with their defense and they've done two things number one is they've stepped up their defense even better maybe than it was before in their last five games they've held opponents to under 28 points a ball game that's ridiculous they've also in four of their last five games held opponents to 10 or fewer second half points another wild number and the big thing for colby and yancey walker have been that scoring punch Three straight games now. The Lady Eagles have put nine or more points on the board Three in three separate Lady Eagles have done that. That's the first time that's happened all year. That's been big. Colby's gotten a plurality of scoring, particularly Brent Stanley has stepped up offensively along with Shaley Holzmeister. That's been big for Colby, and they're facing a uh, Lady Panthers team that isn't necessarily all that great offensively but they've got 
a pretty good defense, and they hold opponents to around 40 points a game on the year. Great opposing shooting numbers forced by this Lady Panthers defense, and Colby's gotten to an, into a couple of slugfests this year, and they play well in the slugfests and keep them close, but there are a couple of those slugfests, including that Goodland ball game that they have lost, and so if it becomes a little bit of an ugly ball game, I trust Colby in it, but down the stretch, historically this season, it hasn't worked in their favor, so I'd be interesting to see it. I'm less worried about the Lady Eagles than I am the boys. I think the Panthers uh, can give Colby a little bit of a scare, but hopefully, and at least on paper, it should be four-game win streaks for the boys and the girls here heading into the sub-state. Yeah, it's no better feeling than that, going into the sub-state on a little bit of a heater. Uh, that's going to be really good. Uh, there you go. Uh, we got to get to a break. Jay Bradley is going to join us in studio coming up in just a matter of moments, a Northwest Tech head men's basketball coach. During the break, though, if you want to chime in on our text line, 785-899-2222, we've got Ka- uh, Kansas Lottery uh, instant Blitz instant tickets to give away. If you want to text the word BLITZ to 785-899-2222, you could be a winner from the Kansas Lottery with their X-Cash Blitz instant tickets. Text the word BLITZ to 785-899-2222. Got a couple tickets to give away during the break. You're listening to The Morning Blitz. Back with Jay Bradley. 